welcome to uh ghost emoji <laughs> i almost blanked i was like where are we what is this what are we doing today it's ghost emoji it's it's the it's the ding ding ghost emoji we're here it's me taylor and and me becca and we're going to be talking about victorian morning jewelry and that's the sad morning not the sunny bright sunshine morning Sad. Sad, dramatic, Victorian morning. Sad. They knew how to mourn in style. What uh what made you what made you look into this? What piques your interest about Victorian morning jewelry? Well, part of it is that I like old jewelry and when you're looking for any sort of Victorian piece, you definitely on eBay and Etsy come across little lockets with like braided pieces of hair inside of them and they at first you're like oh look at this cool weaving and then you realize that it's someone's hair that's been like painstakingly braided into like a basket pattern Hmm. so I was like I knew a lot about it but I was curious about like where it started and what other because it's not just jewelry it's it's a whole craft project a whole ass craft project for Victorian era women and possibly some men. They didn't have Michaels yet. Yeah, no Michaels. They had to source their own materials. Also, death was very big then. Lots of dead people, sadly. You gotta make the best of it. Photography wasn't big yet, so sometimes the only way you could really remember a person was by taking some of their hair and stuffing it in a locket. I mean, it's very utilitarian. It, it 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 doesn't really creep me out, but I could see how it could creep people out. I think just the longevity of hair is the only thing that's like slightly unnerving. Yeah, yeah. To me. Hair lasts a long time. Way longer than me. I'm trying to hang out here, trying to live forever, and my hair ain't doing nothing, and it's gonna last way longer than I ever yep. do. It's true. Curses. Curses. So, uh, hair work or jewelry made... Oh, let me talk about my sources today. Uh, mostly Wikipedia, some smithsonianmag.com, uh, a blog called Victorian Gothic, National Geographic article by Becky Little, and more Wikipedia. So, let's dive in to this big old pile of hair from a bunch of dead people from the 1800s. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry for everyone who had to listen to last episode. Um, <laughs> I think my computer was recording and not my microphone, so uh, my bad. It was better than that one time when I recorded an entire episode on my laptop computer, which has an incredibly shitty mic. Yeah, I know, but I felt really dumb because I was listening to it and I was like, "Oh, that's bad." <laughs> All right, let's get started. Hair work, or jewelry made of human hair, has appeared throughout the history of craft work, particularly those made for private worship or mourning. From the Middle Ages through the early 20th century, memorial hair jewelry remained common. Hair, considered to be a remnant of the person it was cut from, also has played a part in myths and legends. In a Swedish book of Proverbs, one can read that, quote, rings and bracelet of hair increase love. Uh, And then I think that the... Proverb is Vadstena Stads Tankebach. Is that Swedish? Either that or it's just. You just cursed me. 
<laughs> nonsense in some brackets. That's what Wikipedia told me, so I'm taking it at face value. Oh my god, I've been cursed. Yep. Damn You're it. You're welcome. One example can be found in Denmark at Rosenborg's Palace, which is... Rosenborg sounds like a... That's a robot name. That's like a medieval robot. Hello, I am Rosenborg. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Behold, my bracelet of precious metals. And human hair. Uh, uh, uh. Just like me. <laughs> oh, God. 100% human. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tickled me. Uh, so, he had a bracelet of precious metal with a simple braided lock of hair, a gift from King Christian IV, who ruled from 1577, or maybe lived from 1577 to 1648, to his queen... And another example would be the rings commemorating the execution of Charles, King Charles I of England, uh, 1600 to 1649, which circulated, circulated among his faithful supporters. Other famous people who own hair jewelry included Napoleon, Admiral Nelson, Queen Victoria and her large family, Christina Nelson, and Jenny Lind, who I don't know who the fuck they are, but... I only know, like, three of those people. Yeah, I... Yeah. I don't know the last Damn. two, for sure. So, King Christian... Gave Rosenborg's wife a hair bracelet? No, he's he's he lives at Rosenborg's palace. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And he's a king, and he gave a bracelet with a simple braided lock of hair to his queen. I guess it's his hair? I guess. That's very presumptuous, honestly, when I think about it. Like, that would be like me cutting my hair off and braiding it, <laughs> slapping it on a bangle, and giving it to you and being like, here you go, I love you. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want this shit. I don't want this. <laughs> here you go. It was a different time. It was. I mean... You know, what else did you have? Dysentery? That's about it. So, although hair jewelry existed prior to the Victorian era, it was this period that saw it flourish as a trade and a private craft in mourning jewelry. The Victorian period saw a rise in mourning practices due to its popularity through Queen Victoria, and wearing hair jewelry was seen as a form of carrying one's sentiments for the deceased. Um, after her husband, Prince Albert, died in 1861, uh, Queen Victoria publicly grieved him until her own death 40 years later, and often she wore a locket of Albert's hair around her neck. She influenced how grieving women dressed and behaved in Europe and the United States, but for many people in Victorian times, the amount of hair involved in remembering loved ones went far beyond a little lock in a necklace. That sounds so ominous. <laughs> so in the U.S., a lot of women made elaborate wreaths of hair and wire, often with, like, floral designs. Wreaths made from the hair of one dead person were usually objects of mourning, while wreaths made from the hair of multiple people, dead and alive, were more like sentimental family trees. Is that, like, something you would send out instead of a Christmas card? Maybe. I think it's more like you spend two years collecting all of the hair from all of your relatives and children and weaving them into, like, flowers and shit, and then you hang it on your mantelpiece. Like a fucking bird. Yep. Give me that. I need that for my nest. <laughs> yeah. Bobby, don't throw that away. I need it. <laughs> Mom, please. It's weird. <laughs> One day you'll understand, Bobby. Someday I'll pass this on to you. I don't want that shit. Mom, no, I'm not <laughs> taking that. 
So you could find the patterns for hair reads in stores and women's magazines, uh, the same channels through which other middle-class trends spread. Sometimes, though, instances are rare. Women wove relatives' hair into dioramas. Oh. So when they say they wove it in, like, are they using it as hair on, like, little small, like, figurines of people? Or are they weaving, like, little jackets and little little I think sometimes a lot of the examples I saw were, like, you know in Kiki's delivery service where she does the, like, beautiful braid of bread with, like, a little person in it? It's kind of like that, but with hair. Like a king cake? Kind of, but sometimes they would make, like, flowers, or some of them were, like, weird waves, and then they would frame them. Um, there's a lot of... it. It I can't even begin to talk... Like, there's thousands of these, and there's actually, like, a hair museum where you can see a lot of these. Shit's wild. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Do you want to tell us about human hair and also the uh, Victorian era craftsmanship of using human hair? I'll, I'll try my very best. Good luck. I just, God bless. <laughs> it's so much to take in. Hair is hair. Most people have it. So I get it. It it brings us all together. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. All right, here we go. Unlike many other natural materials, human hair does not decay with the passing of time. Which, that just makes me think of, it was a hometown on uh, My Favorite Murder, and someone was talking about how they, like, worked at, I don't know if there was a morgue or something, but the end of the story was that they had, like, a very, very old, like, colonial, like, skeleton mummy or something, and the lady was really perturbed because since hair uh, doesn't go away, they had, like, a woman mummy, and it just had, like, a full bush, and she was very upset. Oh my god, I just... Oh god. What? I hadn't even thought about the fact that someone might use pubic hair in one of these things. I mean... And I feel ill. I mean... Why? Oh no. When someone's dead, they're not growing any more hair. You gotta take what you can get. Oh no, 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 no. You know, you, like, condition it a little bit? Just weave it in with everything else? No, Oh no. I spent an hour doing all this research and that didn't even occur to me. Jesus, I could have lived my whole life. That's the first thing I thought of. (laughs) Becca turning me into a pervert. Oh no. I'm one sentence into this paragraph. Fuck. I'm already talking about old ass pubic hair. (laughs) Let me die. Okay, so hair has chemical qualities that cause it to last for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. Wowie zowie. Additionally, by the 19th century, many hair artists and wig makers had too little employment after the powdered wigs, often worn by noblemen of the 17th and 18th century, went out of fashion. Boo-hoo. Aw, cry me a river. The period of sentimentality, characteristic of the Victorian era, offered these craftsmen a new opportunity to earn their income working with hair of all kinds. Uh (laughs) Early hair jewelry was usually made for the higher class in cooperation with goldsmiths, producing beautiful and expensive creations of hair mounted in gold and often decorated with pearls or precious stones. Jams! Mm-hmm. Gems. Look at gems. all these gems. Oh, gems. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can put some pearls in anything. 
Uh, pieces constructed with precious materials by artisans were naturally very expensive, and it wasn't until the middle of the Victorian period when instructional guides became available that hair jewelry became popular with the lower class. So people started DIYing it. Yep. People getting on Victorian Etsy and being like, I will make you this hair bracelet. How the fuck do I make a weaving with this fucking hair? I tell you, buy a loom from me. <laughs> Subscribe to my Patreon. <laughs> Teach you all you need to know. <laughs> Workshops where these fashionable items were made existed across Europe. So, you know, it's like stuff gets popular and you wonder where it came from. You've got like goat yoga, true crime, mm -hmm. hair, jewelry. Yep. You know, some people like to go and, and learn how to cook a nice sauce and some people want to make a nice friendship bracelet for their friend using probably their head hair. Hopefully. You know? God. But because this thing was getting so big, buyers of human hair traveled across the countryside and purchased hair from poor peasants, sometimes in exchange for a scarf, ribbon, or other small luxury item. I mean, hair grows back. Why not? Yeah. Like, hey, take it all. I can't knit a scarf from my hair, or maybe he could if he took one of the classes offered in my Patreon. <laughs> the $2 level gets you unlimited access to all of my previously made creations. You can look, but you cannot touch. No, you gotta make your own. And also the, the basic weaving patterns, but I won't tell you how to tie it at the end. You have to go up to the, the $4 bracket. It's true. All that work for nothing. <laughs> Um, in addition to the needs for hair jewelry, there was still a need for great amounts of hair for braids and switches that women wanted to purchase for their coiffures. I have no, I have no idea what that means. I'm guessing that's like people who still did wear like wigs and hair pieces and stuff like yeah. that. You know, kind of like how you could like get those like hair ties, but they look like a big bundle of fur. And so it makes your, your messy bun look like it has like a little lion mane around it. I remember those. And sometimes they make them in, like, cool colors, and you'd be like, obviously, my hair isn't blue, but I've got, like, a blue fuzzy quaff around it. You Man, know? these people would go fucking wild for those, like, those, uh, like, blue faux hair, like, clip-ins that were really popular in the, the early aughts. I just feel like a lot of them would get, like, way too nasty too fast. They would be, like, those people that go and get, like, a bunch of, like, feathers, like, braided into their hair on vacation, you know? People do that? I did that. Like, I went to camp, and they were like, here, give me a piece of, like, small hair from the, the back of your neck, and I'm gonna braid some, some ribbon around it. Give me $30. And I'm like, all right. Oh, sounds good. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Mm -mm. Yeehaw. <laughs> Yeehaw. I'm glad you liked my joke today. I loved it. I told Sad yeehaw is yeehaw. Big yeehaw energy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Most hair jewelry, however, was made from a person of special interests hair, whether that was a famous figure or most often a family member or friend. So you don't really want a rando hair, but you'll take it if you need it. But most of the time you want it to be like a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a bosom buddy, which is a girlfriend. Let's not lie. It's a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, your kids. Yeah. Your, your dog. I mean, this was also going on at the same time that um, post-mortem photography was really big in, you know, the Victorian era. Like, 
it was popular in other places as well, but I almost did. I was just kind of on a Victorian morning kick. I was like, we could just do all of that, but it was too long. So I cut the postmortem photography. But since like a lot of the time, the only photo you might have of like your kid or a loved one, depending on like when it was or how much money you had, it, it might be literally a picture of them dead. Um, either in their coffin or sometimes they would prop them up with the other children and kind of make them look not alive necessarily, but, you know. Well, I mean, it helped that it was black and white, so you, yeah. you couldn't tell as easily. That and because they're deceased, they're not moving, which, as you know, like early photography, you had to be incredibly still, because, and which is why people look so serious and solemn, because you're standing there for, you know however long, the 15 minutes or something, trying to stay in one pose, so. And everyone else in the photo looks blurry because they're moving, even if it's minutely, and the dead person is just completely still because they did. Yeah, there are actually a couple of photos like that, but there's whole albums of, like, Victorian post-mortem um, photography. And it's it's sad, but it's also sort of like, some of them are sweet because they're deceased babies and the mother's holding them, and it's like, they don't have any other pictures of them. They have this and the hair jewelry is another thing. It's like, it's fun to poke fun at now because it doesn't make sense now. But then I, I get it. It's one of those things where it's like you have so few mementos and so few like ways to remember them or think of them or whatever beyond just memory that it makes sense. I get it. No, I mean, we take for granted that we can just, you know, snap a photo, even if it's for something sad like that. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to have it, you've got it forever. But back then it was like, there are no photos or anything. If your kid, if they were old enough to have hair, I imagine it's that feeling of like, what color was their hair? And having, you know, a piece of their braided hair, like intricately in a locket, it would be like, oh, well, I know it was like this specific kind of auburn. You know what I mean? So I get it. It's morbid looking back now, but they didn't really see it that way. And also it makes sense given the mm -hmm. time. So it could be a brooch or a pendant with hair woven in the middle or even a bracelet of hair. And in its heyday, hair jewelry was considered both sentimental and fashionable. And it caught on in Europe sometime before the 19th century and then fell into vogue in the U.S. around the Civil War, which also makes sense because lots of death. Mm -hmm. So home decor or jewelry made of dead people's hair would seem macabre today, but not so in Victorian times, says Dr. Helen Schumacher, author of Love Entwined, The Curious History of Hair Work. In the 19th century, mortality rates were much higher and most funerals happened at home. Quote, not only were people used to being around bodies that were dying and had recently died, but the kind of associations that we have today of the dead body being a gruesome thing or a frightening thing was a little different, Schumacher says. And hair work wasn't really about death, she says. Even when it's in memorial to someone who died, it's about sentiment and emotion and showing other people how you're related to others. Uh, making hair work was a proper middle-class feminine task grounded in a consumer culture. It was a way to tend to your family and home. She said, uh, or actually Karen Bachman says, there is some emotional drive to want to retain a physical remnant of somebody once they're gone. And she teaches Victorian hair art workshops at the Morbid An Anatomy Museum. And hair serves this function well because it's, quote, a very personal indicator of self and also, quote, very decay resistant. Uh, wealthy or famous people were often remembered through more explicitly lifelike representations of the self, like 
President Abraham Lincoln is survived by his life masks and hand casts, and Queen Victoria also kept a cast of her husband's hand in her bedroom. Which is sort of sad, because you imagine, like, probably wanting to, like, hold it. Like, hold hold their hand. I don't know. Shit makes me sad. Um, so hair jewelry and wreaths were a way to show your connection to someone who had died, but they could also be a way to show your connection to a living friend, child, or spouse. Quote, women of the 19th century would swap locks of hair as a love token the way young girls today might wear friendship bracelets, says Bachman. In the same way, a mother might frame her child's first haircut or wear some of it as jewelry. So, according to the blog Victorian Gothic, all sorts of people wear hair jewelry or wore it. I don't know. Maybe they still do. I don't know. There are definitely, I mean, it sells on eBay and Etsy, so someone's wearing it. So, husbands went to work wearing watch fobs fashioned of their wives' hair. Locks from the dearly departed were mounted into rings and brooches. Ladies filled their autograph books with snippets from their friends. At a time of rising commercialism, sentimental hair work became a way both to signal one's sincerity and, paradoxically, to stay in style. It's like Instagram now. Go show everybody, all your friends, and all the fun that you're having. Even if you actually are having fun, it's all about showing it off. Look at my, my wife made me this watch fob from her hair because we're so in love. We definitely don't secretly hate each other. It's fine. Everything is great. Everything is great. Can't you see my watch fob? Look at all of my friends in my keepsake book. I definitely didn't snip this from a bunch of ladies having tea. I know all of them and they're all my best friend, but they're not my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me again, Barbara. God, Barbara. You would ask that. You're just jealous of all of my hair clippings. So people made wreaths, rings, necklaces, and all sorts of pieces out of human hair. One of the most famous guides to doing hair work was published in 1867 called Self-Instructor and the Art of Hair Work. The author writes, The necessity for a comprehensive work, giving a full and detailed explanation of the art of manufacturing hair work and all its various branches, has been so frequently urged upon the attention of the author that, in compliance with an almost universal demand, he has concluded to publish a book with which will clearly illustrate the art of hairdressing and making hair jewelry and hair work of every description. This just sounds like someone trying to justify, like, their weird hobby really hard. You know what I mean? It's art. It's It's art. art. The capital A. I mean, it, it, like, some of it is really beautiful, so I don't want to, like, shit on it too much, but that, man, that was (laughs) (laughs) self-aggrandizing. So, in contrast to the expensive pieces of hair jewelry crafted by artisans, many women of the 19th century began crafting their own hair work in their homes, which we've talked about. There were popular magazines like Gaudy's Ladies Book, which printed patterns and offered starter kits with the necessary tools for sale. Um, A book of the period like Mark Campbell's Self-Instructor in the Art of Hair Work offered full volumes devoted to hair work and other fancy works, as predominantly female crafts were known at the time. And then in Europe, various women groups of women also took up the craft in their homes. For example, the women of Mora, Sweden, became experienced in hair work and made it possible for groups other than the very wealthy to afford hair jewelry. Hell yeah! Um, they had no money to buy expensive findings, so they mounted the jewelry with wooden beads that they cleverly covered over hair. 
and that another reason for the construction of hair jewelry in the home was a lack of trust in commercial manufacturers because of the concern that the hair used in the jewelry would not actually be the hair that had been given to the jeweler, the jeweler having been substituted with other hair. Individual hair workering companies attempted to counter the suspicion by producing adverts that stressed that they used the hair sent to them. We promise we use the hair that you send us and not just some random hair from uh, a dog that we found on the street. But the adverts probably added to the level of suspicion since they tended to at least imply that other companies didn't. Tisk tisk. Yep. So... There are probably a lot of reasons why the tradition of hair work faded after the Victorian era. Bachman, who had a few quotes up above uh, that we mentioned previously, says that some of it has to do with the advent of funeral homes, which moved death out of the home in most of Northern Europe and America. But Schumacher thinks that the shift is also linked to changes in decorative and fashion styles and new theories about hygiene, because Victorian Harrys were often displayed in really heavy and ornamented parlor with layers and layers of wallpaper and fabrics, she says, but in the 20th century, plastered walls and solid paint colors became more popular, and hair work didn't quite fit in with these new styles. And then at the same time, women's fashions changed from heavy upholstered clothes that might be nicely accented with hair jewelry to sheer fabrics with brighter colors, against which such jewelry, she says, looks really weird. And I would agree. Not only are fashions changing in terms of how people are decorating their bodies and their houses, she says, but the fashion of sanitary hygienic practices is rapidly shifting people away from the kind of Victorian models of heavy, ornate, multiple layers of things and not washing things because it hurts the fabric. And then as ideas about health changed and dust became associated with poor health, it's certainly possible that hair work came to be seen as unsanitary. I mean, I guess once... Once you make something out of a hair work, like, you're not going to wash it or anything, right? Mm-mm. I mean, most of the time it's, like, behind glass, but, you know, it's not, like, vacuum sealed, so dust can still get in. Yeah. I guess, like, for a bracelet or something like that, like, if it's actively touching your skin, it might pick up oils and stuff like it would if it was still growing out of your head. But if it's in a locket all the time, I mean, nothing's probably going to happen. But you teach someone about germ theory, and all of a sudden... Germs are everywhere. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Germs? So today there are small organizations dedicated to preserving the craft of hair work. There's a hair museum. Where is the hair museum? I don't know, but I have a link to the website, which is hairwork.com slash Layla, L-E-I-L-A, slash index dot HTML. Backslash Geocities. No, it (laughs) doesn't. I wish. Front forward slash f- Firefox. <sighs> what was the other one? Was there one that was like Fire Fire City? It? It's in Missouri. Oh. M.O. is Missouri, right? Yeah. Well, let's go. It's in Independence, Missouri. Well, if we go there, they've got 159 wreaths and 2,000 pieces of jewelry made from good old human hair. And you can even take a class on hair jewelry at the Morbid Anatomy Museum. You just got to bring your own hair. That's all. So I guess if you go, students are requested to bring with them their own hair, fur, or feathers. All other necessaries, ma- necessary materials can be supplied. Hair can be self-cut, sourced from barbershops or hair salons, who are usually happy prov- 
Are they happy to provide you with the hair they sweep up? I would be like, are you a pervert? I would be like, yeah, you're 100% a pervert. Please do not ever come in my establishment again. <laughs> Perfect. Wait, here, turn around real quick so I can take a Polaroid of you so I can put it behind the <laughs> desk so no one ever lets you in here, you filthy pervert. <laughs> Don't look at me. Get out of here. <laughs> Ask you for fucking you, hair you clippings. You told me to turn around so you could take a picture. I'm you, done now. Get out. You monster. You nasty. Coming here asking for hair, you nasty. Uh. Those shows where they talk about, like, when people are really into stuff that's not traditional Mm-hmm. Not trying to yuck anyone's yums, but there was one guy who was, like, way too into cleaning people's drains, and he was, like, a plumber, and I'm like, you know he's just pulling those hairs out of drains, and he's getting a 100% big boner. You know what they say, if you do what you love, then you never work a day in your life. Ugh! Okay, Be- I'm fine. Becky, you, oh, you knew as you were saying that that you were going to hell. Yep, I'm Why sorry. Why did you say these words I, to me? Because it's all I could do. About this nasty plumber this. man. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, that's Victorian morning jewelry. If you want to look at it online, just go to Etsy or Google. Or eBay. Yeah, you can you can buy some. Or make your own. Send us your projects. <laughs> don't. I don't want to see them. <laughs> don't actually send me photos, but don't send me it's, your actual hair projects. I don't especially want if you use pubic hair, please don't show us. I don't. I didn't even think of that being a possibility because I'm a fool, an innocent fool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know for sure if they use that. I was just saying that that one story reminded me of it because the lady seemed so, so upset. And I was like, come on, man. It happens. You think colonial people are out here trimming their pubis? I don't think they are. This is like when I didn't know what a blowjob was. But you were such a young, young babby. I I wasn't that young. I mean, is that the worst thing in the world if you don't know what I a mean, BJ I, is? Yeah. When you're in like seventh grade or eighth I just, grade or whenever it's it was. It's one of those things where like, I feel like if I had thought about it for more than two seconds before asking my mom, I could have like put two and two together. But instead I was just like, what's that? It's a great story. I love the story of you asking your mom about what is a blowjob as she talks to her own mother on the phone. And she has to just be like, excuse me, mother, Rebecca just asked me what a blowjob is. I'll call you back. Um, my 14-year-old my daughter doesn't know what a blowjob is. I'll be right back. She's, she just has to give you the knowledge. Arm yourself with knowledge. It's important. To understand the terminology. Anyways, here's to not knowing things. But you know now. The more you know. I do. Now. And now you, the listener, knows about hair, Victorian hair jewelry for when you're sad or when you want to remember your friends. I mean, that's a lot of haunted jewelry and a lot of haunted wreaths if we're being real, so. Yeah, yeah. Collect them all. I mean, if if we're going with those family tree wreaths, you could get such a deal. You could get like six ghosts in one wreath. Man. Taylor is all about that. Just like that two for five dollar deal at McDonald's. Oh, God. Big Mac and ten chicken nuggets. That's my scary thing for this week. I was just going to get a sandwich from 7-Eleven, which can be scary, but has never done me dirty before. And then I went to McDonald's with Sheree and Becca, these two clowns. We got reasonable things. 
Why? How? Why was mine unreasonable? They didn't stop me. They said, Taylor, you can do this. Todd Howard opened up a cloud above me and he said, Taylor, do it, you, you delinquent. Do it, you coward. You fucking coward. I said, Todd, don't you talk to me like that. I'm stuffing a Big Mac into my ma and then 10 chicken nuggets and some tangy BBQ sauce and then laying in bed until 10 p.m. at night. My sweet husband, love him so much, called me and was like, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, I can't eat. I made a mistake. And he's like, what happened? I'm like, I think I got food poisoning. Oh and he's like, well, what did you eat? I'm like, I went to, Mac- I went to McDonald's. I went to McDonald's. And he's like, what? <laughs> I went to McDonald's. What? McDonald's? What did you get? And I'm just like, I got a, I got a Big Mac. I got a Big Mac and did chicken nuggets. And he was like, and what? Chicken nuggets. How many chicken nuggets? Ten. Ten chicken nuggets. <laughs> You made me say everything like five times. <laughs> I mean, you did whisper it. I was ashamed. Okay. Well, you weren't ashamed when you when you ordered it. I was I was too proud. <gasps> I thought I could handle it, and I can't. My body is old and falling apart, and I can't <laughs> do it dirty like that if I want to live forever. <laughs> you gotta outlast your hair. Oh, God. I'm not going to outlast my hair if I do that again. I just really liked that I didn't hear from you. Like, I knew you were in pain, but I didn't hear from you until, like, 8 or 9 p.m. when you were just like, chicken nuggets were a mistake. (laughs) Chicken nuggets are supposed to be my family. (laughs) Why'd they do me like this? Why'd they do me dirty like this? (sighs) But I'm healed now, and I'm more powerful than ever. Yeah. Sure. Don't don't let anybody tell you different. I would love I would love for someone else to eat a Big Mac and ten chicken nuggets and be like it was no big deal. You know what? Maybe they've conditioned their body to do it. Okay, I'm I wasn't ready. I'm gonna have to to train my body. You're gonna do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm gonna go back home to get two filet o fishes. God. <laughs> two fish olays. Can't wait to hear you cry about that, too. And you're gonna. You're gonna hear all about uh, it. <laughs> you're gonna. My pain uh, is everyone's pain. I know. God, don't I know. Uh, well, then other than having to witness me eat uh, a lot of food that's bad for me, what happened to you this week that's scary or bad? Or cool. Whatever. I mean, I had dental work done on Tuesday. Ooh gruesome so fun had some big meaty dentist hands in my mouth for two hours mm. that was a bad time you ever think about just biting them fingies off i it did occur to me i did think about the fact that i could just bite down and then i was like that'd be rude <laughs> also blood in my mouth and I, I already had blood in my mouth so i didn't need any extra that wasn't mine but i was gonna say it was your blood yeah but now you're healed right mm, my gums are still growing back Ugh. They had to cut through it at the back. What a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> My gums is still growing back. Uh, yeah. Felt like my jaw was dislocated yesterday, but it's all good now. All I can say is, children, get your wisdom teeth out as soon as possible. Do not wait. Do not let someone tell you, like, we don't have to do it right now. Because guess what? If your wisdom teeth grow in fucked up like mine did, and they create a pocket that you can't fucking brush, and it makes a cavity, guess what? It's going to be 
a son of a bitch to fix. So just just get him removed. Get him removed before they even like the second that they're like, oh, your wisdom teeth are coming in. We need to get those. Just take them. Just it's not that bad. I promise. I even woke up halfway through and started crying and it was fine. I don't remember it now. At the time, it seemed traumatic, but now it's fine. I just imagined you giving this speech to, like, a bunch of kids in the waiting room. You have a bunch of gauze in your mouth, and nothing you're saying makes any sense. You just come out and like, Hey, kid. Children. Basically, give a sack, because it's a And then just a bunch of blood falls out of your mouth. And they all scream, and they run out of the room. Yeah, I mean, that's that's... Kind of how it feels. It's fine. Mm, dental work. Ugh. Well, you're you're here now. You're here and you're healing. And I'm proud of you. Yep. Gonna have to get it done again in six months. Oh fuck. Because it's the temporary kind of filling. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Godspeed. Well, uh, that that's it. If you like this, you can keep listening. By, oh uh, wait, I have wait. I have one more thing. Oh my god, what is it? I'm sorry for threatening death on anyone who liked Cersei last week. It's not oh. that I don't like Cersei. I just was very upset, and I'm still very upset. And if you poke the bear, I'll fucking tie you down. Oh my god, Becky, no. you were already you were apologizing. <laughs> you were apologizing, and then your apology turned into like no, another death okay, threat. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't do anything bad. I just, I just have a lot of feelings. It's fine. Don't just. Don't ship, don't ship abusive incest. It's not cute. Don't do that. Please, I beg of you. All right, that's it. Sorry. Amen. Okay, if you like, if you like what you, you hear, even with all the death threats. I'm sorry. You I mean, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry, Becca, but stop. I want to be sorry. <laughs> Put down that shovel. My God. <laughs> I know I said I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> You're all dead to me. Uh, no, I am sorry. I'm sorry. I'm okay, sorry. Well, Becca's still sorry. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on iTunes or on Google Play. We're also on Spotify. We're on lots of podcatchers. Wherever you want to listen to us, you can subscribe. Uh, you can always give us a review or tell a friend. You can email us any questions or spooky stories or whatever you feel like, really, as long as it's cool to ghostemojipodcast at gmail.com. And if you like social media stuff, we're on Instagram and Twitter at ghostemojishow. And we post, like, photos that are relevant to the episode, if there is one. I'm sure Becca can send me some cool stuff, some cool hair dioramas, so you can get the full experience. Uh-huh. But uh, that's going to do it. So thank you for listening. And until next time, always remember to say goodbye. Oh, bye Goodbye. Bye.